0: Okay, we're continuing our study in the Ten Commandments in the Shorter Catechism, looking at the reasons annexed to the Fourth Commandment. Annexation is where a thing is added to a previous existing thing. So when we talk about reasons annexed, you have the basic commandment, the Fourth Commandment, and then God adds reasons. Why should I keep the Fourth Commandment? God adds these reasons, so that's what we're talking about when we say the reasons annexed. All right, there, on your handout, number one, the reasons annexed to the fourth commandment are God's allowing us six days of the week for our own employments. Exodus 31, verses 15 and 16, six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Okay, so here we see the allowance God makes. Six days may work be done. And then, of course, the seventh being the Sabbath, it is a holy day. So God uses this argument. I've granted you six days in which you may do whatever works you have to do. And then there's this holy day. It's separate. It's devoted to God. It's consecrated to him. So it's an argument. I have given you this. I've only demanded this. And therefore, you must keep it. Or a reason why you should keep it. Now this um, quotation from John Chrysostom, very Interesting parallel here. He says, The week contains seven days. These seven days God has divided to us, and he did not give himself the greatest part and us the least. Or rather, he did not take half and give half. He took not three and gave three, but he has given you six and left but one for himself, And you cannot forbear your worldly business this whole day, but as they do who steal holy goods, sacrilegious persons, that you dare do with this day being holy and separated for the hearing of spiritual words, that is, you violently take it and use it to worldly cares. That's a pretty powerful argument. It's the same argument that the scripture makes. This is a holy day. God has afforded to you six days to do all of your ordinary works and your ordinary pleasures, you may seek those on those days, I'm simply requiring one. That's a tremendous condescension, as Chrysostom points out. God could have said, all days are holy, no work may be done on any day, and you have to trust me to provide your daily bread. You don't work? You don't seek your own things? He could have said said it that way. Or he could have said, well, I should get more of your time than you take for your own things. So I want four days. I'll take over half, and you take under half for your things. He could have said that, but he didn't. So this is a condescension on God's part to our weakness to give us six days for the ordinary business of our life and to say, I demand one. By the way, this is a tremendous judgment on monasticism, which says every day should be like the Sabbath. It shouldn't. God is wise and God is holy. And if he says six days for your ordinary business and one for mine, then we should take that seriously. So God affords us those six days. You may do work in those six days, Exodus 31 said. Okay, point two there. The reasons annexed to the fourth commandment are God's allowing us six days of the week for our own employments, is challenging a special propriety in the seventh. Now, just a note here, the word propriety is like ownership. When we talk about the proprietor of a restaurant, we mean the person who owns and runs it. So here, God has a special ownership. He owns everything in general. He owns all the days. In that sense... Every day belongs to God because he's the Lord over time. But there is a special way in which he owns the Sabbath. A special ownership in the seventh. And by seventh, we don't mean seventh in order. We mean seventh in proportion as the Bible does. That's why you'll find the Bible always refers to six and then the seventh. Not in order, but in proportion. Six and... And one of seven, or the seventh, has a proportion of your time. Like the tithe is not every, you count ten ears of corn and I'll give God this one. It's a proportion. A tenth is one out of ten. A seventh is one out of seven. Not necessarily in order, but in proportion of time. So God challenges a special propriety in one out of seven days. Leviticus 23, verse 3. Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Now this is very important what God does here in Leviticus 23. He points out that this day is for holy convocation and no work. There's a special ownership. You can't do your ordinary stuff. But notice also He refers to holy convocation, which is where the people of God are called out of their ordinary places to a separate location. Convocare means to call together. Kahal in Hebrew is where God calls the people out to assemble. And that's the same word or related term, I should say, to ecclesia or the church in the Greek New Testament. Um, kaleo is to call like vocare in Latin. Kaleo in Greek, vocare in Latin. And then cone is together. Convocare means to call together. And ecclesia means to call out, so as to gather people together. So the church is a calling out of saints to gather together for worship. In any case, first he says the Sabbath is for holy convocation, and no work. And then he says that it is a sabbath of rest to the Lord in all your dwellings. So the one is public convocation and the other is private in all your dwellings. But the point is that the sabbath has this special ownership by God so that whether you're at your home or whether you're in the public assembling of God's people, The Lord is to be honored in the Sabbath in both ways. So you cannot say, well, I went to church and I fulfilled the fourth commandment because I went to the holy convocation. I'm done now. God says, no, that's not enough. That's not what I require. That's not what I've given to you. That's not what I've commanded you. That's not in your spiritual best interest. You must give me the whole day, whether you're at home or whether in a public assembly, the whole day is a special day for me. So that's the idea there of a special propriety in the seventh. God challenges that. He demands it as his own. All right, number three there. The reasons annexed to the fourth commandment are God's allowing us six days of the week for our own employments. Is challenging a special propriety in the seventh, his own example. Okay, so God, this is um, what we call God is the archetype. That's the scholastic term. He is the original that we are made from. So, archetype is like God makes us in his image. We are the ek type, taken from or out of the type is this copy that is made. We are made from the archetype. God is our archetype. We are the ectype. We're made in his image. So when God set the example of the Sabbath, it wasn't for his sake that he did it. It wasn't for God's sake that he was literally tired and therefore had accomplished so much great work that he needed to take a nap. That's not what it's saying. Rather, it's saying God set an example for his creatures whom he knew would need this kind of cessation from their ordinary labors lest they run themselves into the ground. Genesis 2, 2. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Exodus 31 verse 17, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Okay, now there it even uses the figurative language concerning God that he was refreshed by his rest. That's what we would normally experience when our bodies are run down and tired And we take a rest, and when we wake up, you feel better, right? You rested well, you're refreshed from all the labors you had done before through the sleep or the rest that you received. So it uses this figurative language concerning God in order to help us realize the way in which he showed us an example for our good. And this is why Christ said, The Sabbath was made for man. It wasn't for God's sake that the Sabbath was created. He doesn't stand in need of anything. He didn't actually need to rest. In fact, Jesus talks about the Father worketh even until now, and the Son works with him when the people accused him of breaking the Sabbath. But in any case, here we see God resting for our benefit so that we could follow his example. So this is another reason the Bible uses as a, a special encouragement to keep the fourth commandment. All right, page two of your handout there. Number four, the reasons annexed to the fourth commandment are God's allowing us six days of the week for our own employments, his challenging a special propriety in the seventh, his own example, and his blessing the Sabbath day. Verse uh, three of Genesis two says, And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. So there is the blessing of God. We talked about this in Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing, the twofold blessing. A creature blesses God by speaking well of him, of the truth of who God is and what he's done, we say about it, that's blessing. But God's blessing is where he actually accomplishes things. He makes things the way that they are by his speech. What he says causes blessing. So when God blessed the seventh day, he blessed it by sanctifying it. That's what it means for God to bless the seventh day and sanctified it. He made it holy by his word, by speaking a word about it and saying things about this day, this proportional day, one out of every seven. He made it a holy time. Man cannot do that, actually. This is the danger of man made holy days, where men say, Well, I can make a holy day. Oh, can you? Can you speak and cause things to be holy? Can you bless? And sanctify a day? Well, no, you can't. So therefore, man cannot create holy days. The church is not God. The church cannot speak blessing and cause blessings to occur by us saying things. That's lunacy. That's paganism. Where creatures presume that they can speak and cause things to come to be when only God has the power to speak and cause blessing to flow. Because God is almighty. So if he speaks blessing, of course, it's going to be holy. It's going to be blessed. If man speaks blessing, if the Lord wills, he can cause the blessing to come. But man can't cause it to happen. He can't make it holy. God can, and God did. So that's what we mean when we say God blessed the Sabbath day. He sanctified it. He made it holy. He put a blessing in it for man He created it for the good of man and for the spiritual well-being of man by giving him a holy time so that he could know in his mind, one, I don't have to do my ordinary works this day. And two, because I don't have to do those, I'm freed up for the holy convocation and for the Sabbath in all my dwellings. I'm not in bondage to the creatures I'm the slave of God, and he gives me this day as a way for me to realize he made me free from the creature so that I don't have to kill myself, run myself into the ground, trying to accomplish provision for myself. So the Sabbath is connected, um, we could say, with what we were talking about, about the false futures of Deuteronomy 18. When you have wizards, when you have necromancers, what are they trying to tell you? They're trying to tell you that you need to come to us because you don't know what the future holds for you. You don't know about your provision. You don't know about your well-being. You don't know about your kingdom, whether it's going to succeed or fail. That's why Saul goes to the witch at Endor. I don't know what's going to happen to my kingdom. I don't know whether we're going to win or lose. Can you give me some information, Samuel? That's the idea. When we have the Sabbath in mind, we say, well, I don't have to be run by all these worldly concerns. They don't run my life. God runs my life. And so I can take a day in which I don't do any of those things because, oh, but I need to provide for my future. I need to plant now. It's the right time to plant. I need to harvest now. It's the time right, it's the right time to harvest. I have to do this today. And God says, no, you don't. You must not. You must trust in my provision. You must seek first my kingdom. You must seek first my righteousness, and know all these other things will be added unto you. So the Sabbath is blessed and sanctified, and it also blesses and sanctifies us. That's what the Sabbath reminds us. God is the one who provides my daily bread. God is the one who will bless my future. God is the one who has designed this time for me to be holy unto him, so that he might sanctify me by his grace, working in me what is good. So that's the idea there, God speaking a blessing and sanctifying the day. Then Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, where we read, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Okay, so one thing to think about here, why do Christians observe the first day as our Sabbath? And it's for the very same reasons. When did God speak a word of blessing? What day did he set apart and sanctify? What day did he hallow? Well, it's obvious if you read the pages of the New Testament, especially the ends of the Gospels, the book of Acts and the epistles, you find the holy day of Christians when they gather for worship, a holy convocation... When they refrain from travel, when they gather to collect for those who are poor, it's the first day of the week. It's the first of the Sabbaths, as the New Testament refers to it in the Gospels. That first day of the week, they get together because why? Well, in the beginning, God says, the reason you should do this is because I created. So it's the work of creation that is the emphasis. I created in six days and I rested on that seventh day, well, when Christ rose from the dead, that is the beginning of a new creation. That is the recreation of the whole world. Because Christ rose from the dead, therefore sinful and fallen and dead men may have eternal life, a hope and a promise. And the, as God said in the beginning, let there be light. So the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ may shine unto us who are raised by the power of God to spiritual life. So there's still the theme of blessing, the the theme of sanctification, the theme shift, shifting, though, from creation to recreation, from the original order that God made to the perfected order in his son, Jesus Christ, grace perfecting nature through the resurrection of Christ. So we have these four reasons. And this is very important to understand, When God adds a reason to a commandment, it's to enforce the commandment. The duties of the commandment are made more precious to us. More responsibility falls on us because God says, here are some reasons why you should do thus and such and thus and such. We'll see the same in the fifth commandment as we saw in the second commandment. Why does God add these reasons? to reinforce the duties, the importance of these commandments, the blessing or the cursing, the goodness or the malediction or, or the badness that he'll bring against you. Should you determine to set your face against him, he'll set his face against you. But should you determine to humble yourself and come under his authority, here are the blessings he promises to give you. And so this is why God gives us these annexed reasons to reinforce the commandments themselves all right let's pray